On the episode this week, Jim has a go at you. We must have the laziest listeners on the planet. Ivor gives yet more stellar life advice. Sometimes at uni I'll go for a pint during the day and I do feel better for it. And I go on a vegan rant. I've got to mention another thing about steak. Hello, you are listening to 44 Brew. On the episode this week you've got me, Jim, and I'm joined by Matt and Ivor. This week we are going to be talking about a few of the games from game week three. I believe we'll be covering the Spurs game, the Man City game, and I'm sort of hoping that Ivor can do an impromptu bit on the Chelsea game, because I, I know he hasn't prepared. <laughs> we, will, we will then, as per usual, have a game of just 59 seconds, and we will then be following it up with shit talk for this week, which is going to be based off a blog post that I am currently writing, but should be out by the time that you listen to this which will be revealed to you later. So, before we get started with games, we will kick off with what we are drinking this week. A bit different to normal, because we usually record sort of like 7, 8 in the evening, and it's currently... I'm not wearing a watch. 11.17. Uh, yeah, quarter past yeah, 11 in the how morning. how Jim's not said, what are we drinking this evening on this episode? Yeah. A little tidbit for because, you there. Uh, yeah, because I was... <laughs> Ivor's got him got himself a job, which means he has to work each yeah. so it's morning recordings for the time being. So I have still got a beer, but it's a non alcoholic beer. It's the Heineken Zero Point Zero, I think they call it blue. Um it's their alcohol free beer, and I will be sampling that on the episode this week. Matthew, what have you got? I have a cup of Typhoo tea and because the other time I had a cup of tea on this episode I put it in my France Football Federation mug I have this time searched for my most grammable mug which is a depiction of Vincent van Gogh's The Starry Night and you can see that on our Instagram at 44brew with two W's at the end and if you'd like to contact us about how much you like <laughs> Matt's mug please email us at forthewordfortheNumber.brew at gmail.com is that right? That is right. That is well, right. Kitchen. Or you can direct message us on our Instagram. While while we're we're plugging, I realised we need to say this. Rate our podcast, preferably five stars or whatever the maximum <laughs> yeah. rating is we, on the platform on which you're listening to this. If 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 we go in with this for a second, we must have the laziest listeners on the planet. Because I I see the numbers. I know there's twelve hundred of you, give or take. <laughs> <laughs> where where are the Instagram follows? Where are the TikTok follows? And where are the ratings? Because all you seem to do is listen, and that's it. For all we know, someone is employing like Bots. a sweatshop full of children to just listen yeah. to the episodes and not. <laughs> that is you. The thing is, it's probably your entire school. You're probably playing it out on the tannoy before like assembly. <laughs> do you want to tell us what you're drinking this morning, either? Sure thing. So yeah, sorry, sorry about the morning recording, guys. Just to. Uh, let you down. I'm just having a coffee from our Nespresso machine. Nice Have you chosen the... Oh, that, that looks grand. That does look like a nice mug. Uh, what is on the first part of the itinerary? Well, I'm glad you asked because Matt, I believe, has prepared uh, prepared some material on the Spurs-Wolves game, which he is going to kick us off with. Yeah, so the Premier League weekend just gone, kicked off with Spurs hosting Wolves, and they were fortunate to eke out a 1-0 home win, I thought, in another victory for the system, sadly, and Rory's predictions <laughs> benefited greatly from this. Uh, Harry Kane scored the decisive goal from a corner, 
but the away side Wolves did dominate the first half, in my opinion. New signings, Mateus Nunes and Gonzalo Guedes. Either can we get a Portuguese pronunciation on those? Uh, <laughs> uh, is Nunes and is Gedge, I think. Thank you. Yeah, they both came close. Uh, and Spurs were like pretty passive first half, I thought. I think they were more than passive. They were actively bad. Yeah. Like, they were really, really <laughs> poor was in the first half. no running whatsoever and... up top from them. If I'm honest, I think throughout the game, really, until, I mean, apart from the Kane goal, which was a very small blip, and uh, some of Richarlison's work when he came on, Spurs were really poor. And I think it's rare to see that a loss is actually a better sign for the losing side than the winning side, but I think Wolves were really, really excellent and did play Spurs off the park. It's just that when you've got, it's such a cliche, when you've got players like Kane, you can play badly and win. Yeah. Totally, and basically benefited from a rare instance of poor Wolves defending from that corner, which led to Perisic's flick on Mm -hmm. for Kane to nod in at the back post unmarked. And I think they were lucky to be able, as we said, to win just by scoring one goal. If Kane was playing for Wolves, it would have been a totally different story. Or even if Jimenez was playing the entire game. Yeah, he's obviously still getting back into the... The run of things, but did you see he scored in uh, midweek for them in the League Cup? Mm-mm. I'm not sure who they beat, but they won. No one cares about the League Cup. <laughs> anyway, I did think it was a very good game for Wolves. I thought, uh, yeah, Nunes looks like a very promising signing. Uh, the the very the fluid front three, I do quite like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the back four was really solid, especially with Nathan Collins, who, despite being out of foot for the Kengo, was probably man of the match. He was. Yeah, he was very Excellent. good. Excellent. He absolutely dominated Son. Yeah, and I respected uh, Pedro Neto for his selfless work tracking back of Perisic, particularly in the first half, I noticed that. Yeah. They were, at times looked like they were playing a back five with Johnny slipping in as a right-sided centre-back and Neto dropping in as wing-back. Well, again, you can tell... Well, that's really where Spurs' victory came from. Uh, Perisic's crosses into Kane. Although the goal did come from the corner, a lot of their main big chances came from when Perisic had, you know, a half inch of space and was able to pull out a world class cross as a result. And I think a lot of their passivity is that a word? Passiveness would it be? Yeah, passive passiveness surely. Pa- passiveness, anyway, <laughs> uh, can, can probably be can be put down. I think to. You know, Neto tracking back and Pe- uh, Perisic should be notified. Yeah, and it's the second week in a row for Spurs following their two-all draw against Chelsea, which was certainly another lucky result for them, I think it's fair to say. They yeah, they, they sort of got nullified in midfield by just being outnumbered, even though Benton Kerr and Hoybjerg should be a solid duo, both good on the ball, both good at winning the ball back, but but being dominated just by simply being outnumbered which could be a problem going forward for them yeah I think I think their points in their league position at the moment flattered them slightly because while they were dominant and obviously deserved the win against Southampton the first week they absolutely stole a point against Chelsea which they didn't deserve and I don't think they deserved the three points they got against Wolves either like you said I think Wolves were the better side so while they will have been very confident after the first game week I think that confidence should be starting to to wane slightly, yeah. even if the the sort of the results aren't showing that. I think the way they're playing certainly is. It's, it's not living up to them as touted top two 
contenders. Mm -hmm. no. And I think even, even then, in the game against Southampton, they did have to go behind first to you know get some initiative. One prediction for next few games, I think Hoiberg's going to be dropped for uh, Basuma. I don't think he's been particularly good. I mean, he scored a, a nice goal against Chelsea, but other than that, I don't think he's been particularly impressive. I think Bentoncourt is, I wouldn't say quite world-class, but he is great. He's the more important ball-progressor of the two of them, and given that they're being outnumbered in midfield, Basuma's mobility certainly gives them something which they lack with Hoiberg there. So, Jim, what are your thoughts looking elsewhere on Man City so and Newcastle? Yeah, and an interesting result, I thought, and I know it's early in the year, but Man City dropping points for the first time, which I think would have been a, a welcome sign for Liverpool fans when the game happened on Sunday, but then by <laughs> Monday evening they were they were back to being miserable. Um, and, you know, I thought the, the nature of the first City goal, I sort of, as I watched that, I thought we were just in for another dominant City display, because I thought Newcastle defended really poorly, their marking was poor. Uh, Gundogan shouldn't have been given that much space to shoot in the box, so and that was what five minutes into the game. So I thought, oh, this is going to be like a a four nil City pasting, but um, it turned out not to be the case. City had a chance, that, I think, to to shut the game down quite early on. Uh, while it was still one nil, Foden had a shot on goal which he should really have squared to Haaland who was in the centre of the box, and I think. That was what ten fifteen minutes in. I think going down to to two then probably would have nullified Newcastle somewhat. But Newcastle played really well. They kept men forward, which made them strong on the on the counter and on the break. And they the City were given sort of a, a warning when Almiron sent the ball over the crossbar, and it was a sort mm -hmm. of very very similar working for the second goal when Alisson Maxman put the ball in and Almiron just sort of threw himself at it. Yes. And ended up clipping it with his thigh into the goal, which I thought was quite funny, really. If I may interject. Yeah, go on. I've seen a lot Please. of stuff about Almiron and like getting back at Jack Grealish for right. something oh, Grealish Jack said. Grealish. I don't know what he said either. You seem to be in the know. I do remember this. He said, he said, oh, he, he said to Foden, I think, bloody hell, you're playing like Almiron. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did read that. Yeah, yeah, which Jack Grealish has been absolutely dirt at the start of the season. He's been. Well, I mean, I think Foden has been pretty poor as well. But I think that might be a lack of understanding between him and Haaland. Yeah. I feel they'll be great. They're going to be like the big two biggest like little arseholes on the planet together. <laughs> you can just imagine them. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it really showed. I think it was a real, you know. Statement of intent from Newcastle, just going and undoing that to City, and I think it's fair enough that City come back because they always find a way somehow because they've got like a Champions League level eleven on their bench. Yeah, but they were really, really uh, good in the game, Newcastle. I thought uh, Big Alan Samak's man, uh, Gucci headband, the man. Uh, Gucci everything got a, had a really really solid performance he was absolutely terrorised City and I think again it also was just a really good blueprint as to how to you know beat City you know just constantly focusing on uh, working transitions and counter-attacking them and... it's not an ideal blueprint for beating City because they didn't <laughs> Well, but no, well, I, but no I agree and I think there were, there were lots of lots of strong points Alan Saint-Maximin and his pace obviously led to two out of their three goals, really. 
Um, yeah. And we're on obviously had a really good game and had a couple of chances, like the one I just mentioned where he put it over the bar and another one where Cancelo managed to block it because Edison was well out. He was like on the edge of the box and Armour had managed to get past him mm. that he he, mm. he could have put away. Um, Word of caution going forward for Newcastle though, because Callum Wilson did pick up a knock, I believe. Uh, although obviously they have just reached an agreement, I believe, with Real Sociedad for Alexander Isaac. About to mention that, that is uh, an amazing signing. Do you think? I am terrified to see what he's going to do to the Prem. I think he's amazing. <laughs> well, I've not he's, seen he's him. Not, he's, not, he's not world class. He's not world class. I mean, in a pretty. In an off season last yeah. year, but the season prior to the Euros, he was. The, I was reading an athletic article about him to not to toot my own horn, but uh, he was the first player since Aguero to score 17 uh, goals in the Liga at 21 or under. Wow. He's a very good signing, and I think uh, you know adds adds a bit of body because Wilson's quite a physical player as well. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's quick, good finisher, amazing on the ball. It's also another creative outlet that isn't uh, ASM. You know, he can like yeah. he can actually dribble. For us, I don't think anyone else near the Newcastle front three can do that. Yeah, and like, and if you're thinking Wilson's sort of guaranteed a certain number of games out injured every season, it's a massive shift to go from Wilson up front to Wood up front as an alternative. Whereas now well, they've got Isaac, I think he's much more similar stylistically to Wilson. Even though in build Definitely, they look yeah. like they should be different, Isaac's not your classic yeah. six foot plus striker. Well, I think I also, that was also mentioned in the in the athletic article that target men or big, big I keep shouting out. Basically, all the <laughs> stuff I, everything I say in this podcast, been ripped off from someone else. But in the article, they're sort of saying, and rightly so, how the profile of tall strikers has changed quite a lot recently to be a lot more versatile rather than, you know, your Chris Wood. I think I found a new way to market the pod. What? We're oh. like, we're something like the compare the meerkat of football punditry. Why watch BBC, why watch Match of the Day and read The Athletic and listen to like, <laughs> the other podcasts? Yeah. Like, you can just listen to 4-4 Brew and get all of their excellent commentary for free yeah. on our podcast. But worse. <laughs> but slightly less but- remembered and plagiarised. And worse, mate. That bit needs to be in there. Well, we're going to be drunk anyway. Of course, it's going to be worse. Not this morning. Or are we like? Or are we at the level of drunk? <laughs> no. Actually, I was thinking about that, but actually, you know how like a little bit of alcohol makes you more productive. No, I didn't know that. Like, you're meant to be you're, you're meant to be your most productive after like one glass Have of you wine. Been gaslighted. Gaslit. No, no, genuinely. No, this yeah, is this gas, is the thing. This is the thing because it remote it. Apparently, like you know, your brain becomes a bit looser to use a non-technical term, <laughs> and you can think slightly more uninhibited. New, new, exactly, yeah, you're more uninhibited, so you can have more creative out there thoughts. And it's, I some, sometimes at uni, I'll go for a pint during the day, and I do feel better for it. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> can I? Uh, can I just possibly finish the Newcastle City game? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. I did. I did have a couple more things to say. Uh, I didn't have too much to say on Kip, on Kieran Trippier's free kick because I thought it was pretty classic. Belter. Amazing free kick from him to put them three one up. Um, but that is where I thought Newcastle lost the game. Really, at three one up, I thought they should have changed what they were doing and tried to hang on to that lead. But I still felt they were a bit too aggressive, a bit too risk taking, which led to 
City obviously dragging it back to to three all, and it was only at three all when Newcastle sort of did sort to close it park out the bus yeah. a bit. Yeah, and so I thought that I I thought I thought Newcastle threw away the lead rather than City earned back the point. Okay, I think that's easy if to say, but I mean. so many teams go into a match I mean, against City from minute zero looking to park the bus, and they still get yeah picked through. Often with ease. I mean, Bournemouth got beaten four 0 by them. So yeah, you'd, I easier mean, said yeah, than done. But I see is, what you mean. It yeah. is City that you're trying to that you're trying to play against. But and and you know they could have changed how they were playing and gone more defensive and still drawn three all. But and then and then I people sort of, would have maybe just said, oh, it was going so well, should, they should have kept on trying to pick them yeah. up on the counter attack. But we all never know. That, one of those things you'll never never know. And the other thing I thought could have had an impact on the game was the, the penalty shout. Stones on Fabian Cher, which wasn't given. VAR didn't overturn it. Yeah, I, I think that was the right call. I think it was a pen. And that's that for this week's ref watch. <laughs> for, for Jermaine Defoe on Match of the Day, it was a pen. Oh, Jermaine Defoe on Match of the Day, <laughs> I could not stand... I'm all for giving, you know, new-ish pundits their chance. But it was so... Oh, elementary, Watson. That's it. It was so (laughs) elementary, Jermaine Defoe's punditry. And he kept saying, I can't remember what it was, but he had the same stock phrase of, like, three words that he would say just as he was about to point something out. Uh, something along there. the lines of yeah, and That's if you like, look there. there, but it was like a, it was just like a delaying <laughs> phrase, and it, all of his stuff was like oh, because he did a feature on Danny Welbeck, didn't he, after the Brighton game, I believe, uh, yeah. talking about how much he was a fan of Welbeck's movement, and basically just pause it, highlight Danny Welbeck, and then say, and I love this clip because he goes <laughs> wide, and that was it, and then he they play the clip, and he runs towards the corner. <laughs> It was like his hold up play is Great. so good. It was like what what I enjoyed was on on the penalty that I'm talking about. Well, not penalties. It was in the end. Yes, they they kept. They obviously showed the replay several times, and he went with the classic. The more you watch it, the worse it gets. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think he's probably still better than Graham Souness because we you briefly mentioned the refereeing standards in the Premier League with the or the refereeing in the Prem when the Trippier red got turned to a yellow, right? We didn't, but yeah. Talked about his free kick. <laughs> I thought I, I heard could... a red card as well. Sorry, I went to get a coffee and briefly heard red oh, card. Fair. I might have been... But I thought that was a yellow, by the way. I thought it was a red at first, but then watched the replays a few times. Same. Which is, which is what VAR is for, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. But I'm, say, I'm not liking the new standard of refereeing where Things are just let slide for it to be a more physical game because yeah, you know, with all all, all the, the amount of like, you know, the amount of games players are playing these days, like you are far more likely to pick up an injury if you're taking on heavier and heavier challenges without without uh, being penalised. And I think it's leading to even more inconsistency because while I agree that it was getting mm-hmm. a bit, mm-hmm. it was getting a bit stop start before because every minor thing was being given. They're now letting some things, which are definitely cards and definitely fouls, go as well. Yeah. And... Well, I'd I'd rather I'd rather it just I'd rather it be soft start. Honestly, I'd prefer it to be soft start. And even then, I don't think the amount of fouls awarded last year was that much different to 
like years gone by. I think it was just highlighted or made made to be a narrative of it being. And it's classic, isn't it? Every time they have a like rule change and we all complain, they go, "Oh yeah, but it just needs some bedding in." Period. You know, things will get better in the long term. And then they change the bloody rules every season. So every season there's a bedding in period. The refereeing is never good. Just decide on some rules and stick to them for a few years and see if it makes the game better. Don't reactionarily change every single year. It's not hard. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it feels like it feels like the new FIFA, like the new FIFA update. We're like, okay, we've, t- we've taken on board what we don't like about here, but now we're gonna have like mega packs or something. And they're like, oh, we don't like that. Don't worry, scrap mega packs, but now we're gonna bring in like free money or something. It's like great. Like, I think you ruined it. You don't let it stick. But I think there needs to be a serious look at the quality and standard. Well, oh, the the chief of PGMOL is changing. I think is it Mike Riley at the moment is stepping down this season, and Howard Webb is replacing him, who was a Premier League yes. ref not too long ago, and I think had a bit of a reputation also, for being quite pro Man United. So that's a shame. <laughs> oh well, I, admittedly, actually talking about having a referee who wants to wants the game to have a bit of flow to it. Howard Webb is definitely. For yeah. that, given that given that final the karate kick to Xavi Alonso <laughs> only being a yellow definitely definitely feels like a I've got you got let let them let them battle it out from man for man you know as Graham Cena said <laughs> he's he's actually I'd actually say he's worse than Michael Owen and that's really saying a lot because Michael Owen is like an AI who's a, like from like 1980 he's had like 20 phrases phrases yes. into him. <laughs> <laughs> um. Should we talk about Graham Sooners now? Get him off the wheel. Because he has been in the news. Well, I've sort of said it, but this is man's game. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought, because recently he said, and I can't remember what game it was about. It was Spurs-Chelsea, I think. It was Spurs-Chelsea, I think, yeah. He said, the, the man's game one was different, was the Spurs-Chelsea, but he said, well, it's great to see... Uh, these players going at it man for man. It's not you know not boys game or whatever. Oh yeah. And I don't think, admittedly, what I don't think he meant it in a sexist way. If that makes yeah. makes sense. I think he was I equally think he was commentating on a women's football game. He probably would have said it's a women's game, not 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 a girls game. If you know what I mean. It's is that is that sort of thing right to me? But I think I still think he's wrong. Yeah, I think. But I think the I think the. The language he used made the didn't make the point he was trying to make. I I mean I also also think either way, first of all he chose the wrong language because it's I don't know suggests players have to man up after getting a big tackle. And second of all, the point he's trying to make is that players should just take take this and you know and get on with it is also wrong because like you're just potentially risking like a really bad injury. Because Graham Sooners has been like, oh yeah, get up, you little, you little bitch. Like, go on. <laughs> and and he and he was the dirtiest, like horrible, like dirtiest, most horrible player ever. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, that's what he thinks like, the game should be. Tackles. And it's awful. Like people couldn't even string three passes together back in 1980. <laughs> the response to the women's game thing just really pissed me off because like you got certain people saying like, oh, what's the problem? Of him saying it's a man's game. It is a man's game. It's being played by men. And like, but that's failing to see the point that in the context of what Sunes is saying, that people should be strong and 
firmer tackle. And correlating that to it being a man's game is just implying yeah, that women cannot that... play. And like, yeah. Yeah, women true, are allowed to play football and tackle each other and be tackled by each other. Yeah, I th- yeah, definitely. I think he probably didn't mean it like that. I think he's just a bit... No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not not the best. Anyway, anyway speaking of things that uh, weren't the best, should we talk about Chelsea's performance against the Yes, Leeds? I think we should. Yeah, go on. <clears throat> and starting on that, Edouard Mendy. With uh, Mendy's mistake, I think, if I'm honest, all the goals Chelsea have conceded so far have been pretty emblematic of what is wrong with the club, which is the players, we will, Chelsea will generally be the better side for a game, but players will make a a mistake. I feel like we've had the most errors leading to goals in the Premier League for like the last two, three seasons running. It's, especially last year, it was, it felt like every goal we conceded under Tuchel was some form of error, whether it was the, the corner against Spurs for not reacting. I mean, it should have been a red card to Romero, but irrespective, I think our players should have reacted. Yeah. Uh, the Jorginho pullback or Mendy's Howler, which, by the way, I don't think he should take as much of the blame for, like, because he probably would have had a bollocking if he kicked it long and would have lost it. He's been, he's been told to play out from the back. And then no one gave him an option. Yeah, but when you've been when you've been closed down like that, surely you just take the corner or a throw in. Nah, but the thing is, he actually did somewhere. the hard part. He sold. Was it Aronson? Yeah, yeah. He, he sold him, and then he just missed his touch to take it away from him after Aronson yeah. had lunged. Totally fucked up the second touch after he'd done the like fake shot thing, and, yeah. and then Aronson beat him. It's not like Aronson blocked that turn. The no. turn was made mm. successfully, and then he fucked it. Yeah, it was. It was. Mm. A, it was an absolute howler. I thought. I, I thought. Howler, it, but... I thought it was fucking hysterical. I was laughing my <laughs> it ass was, off. It, it, <laughs> if I weren't a Chelsea fan, it would have been hysterical. But <laughs> I, I, admittedly, I mean, I think there is a definite, definite part to play in that the Chelsea defenders didn't drop back to help him. But you're all right; it was a sinker. Then for the corner, Rodrigo is just left completely unmarked. Yeah, for the header. He has been excellent, by the way. He has been absolutely. He scored the most class. points on FPL out of everyone. Yeah, who would have thought that? Not me. Yeah. Also, as well, after this game, I think a lot of uh, pundits, Chelsea fa- and Chelsea fans alike, were touting that we need to make big moves in the transfer market afterwards, and yeah, uh, you know, get get a new defender in, and which I think we well, might because Koulibaly's been and... shit. No, Koulibaly's he's been actually, good. Koulibaly's he's been he was he was he was really poor in the Leeds game though. Yeah, he was just poor in the Leeds game. There's no really really excuse. But he he was he's been good in the Tottenham and Everton games. Yeah. So I can't really, you know, it takes uh, it takes time for people to like settle to you know de- like playing against really high pressing football when in Serie A it's a bit less common yeah especially the like the Red Bull sort of style that Jesse, Jesse Marsh goes for but there's loads of calls for a striker yes, and I think I, I don't I don't really see the point and it's yeah it's probably all Just like someone like a Bamiang I can understand because he's not like he's more versatile than a typical number nine but People are once again failing to see what Havertz does and clowning him for just not doing anything. But he's made the most off-the-ball runs, I believe, out of anyone 
in the first three games well, of the season. So, you, like, he's still again, doing what he does. It's just not resulting in the stuff that it did when Chelsea were at their best last year. And yeah. it, it, it probably will, you know, result. He's still really young. He's only, what, 22, 23. Yeah. And I don't think we should impulse... Because we impulse, impulse bought the Kaku and look where that went. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's an I don't think there's an issue with Harold. No, I think if I'm honest, the one thing Chelsea need to get sorted for the window, I think, is a central midfielder. Again, Frankie De Jong would be perfect. Not to mention he'd absolutely fuck with United. Yeah, it would be hilarious. Oh my god, it would be so funny. He's been linked to Liverpool now. Apparently, they are making a move because while we're on De Jong, he's obviously being linked with Liverpool because their midfield, well, their team, uh, was once again found wanting basically against United and the midfield area is one of great difficulty for them did you see the video of the Liverpool fans when Bruno wouldn't uh, give the ball back oh what in the pub yeah it was hilarious they're all like screaming at the TV like you fucking rat thing is we were watching it on Jim's phone in the pub and I was like just push him just push him get him sent off he's already been what the fuck was he doing Salah that that is horrendous gamesmanship from Salah. He should be mm. sharper there to to give him a little push or a pinch or a squeeze or something. Yeah, just provoke well, it. Yeah, Matt, like you know, one excited. of those things are like when you like prod each side of the inside of people's waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should have done that to him. But Bruno was clinging to that thing like it was the oh. only thing he knew in the world. He was. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> like he was drowning and that was a life preserver I don't know why he was it was it wasn't just that it was, it was like a mouse with a bit of cheese it was his determination to cling on to this thing even if it killed him it was like the Ice Age squirrel <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we have seen in the past how how a few or five injuries can damage Liverpool's whole season was it two years ago yeah yeah but mm. they were struck down, particularly with defensive injuries, and had a really torrid season. Well, yeah, because that one was Van Dyke and Fabinho at the same time, and maybe Matip as well, before they was... signed Canate. No, yeah. it was... Oh, God, they had everyone out. It was Al- Alisson for a bit, it was Fabinho, Van Dyke, uh, yeah, Matip too. And then, I think... Because there were top, there were points they were playing Henderson at centre back, points they were playing yeah. Fabinho at centre back. At some points they were playing Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. It was bad for them. Yeah. Do we think it's like crisis for Liverpool? Maybe Ag- if again, the injuries as- continue to get worse, I'm not aware of how long term any. Of yeah, them. I mean, as as with everything at this stage, you know, we're three games in. It's very early in the season to be saying that Liverpool are at crisis. But and on the on the flip side, I think it's definitely similarly early to be saying that United's troubles have all gone away like they're yeah. not going to be able to play yeah I mean attack against many teams shall in the interest of trying to keep the podcast under an hour yes we move on to just, just 59 seconds, seconds. Good Indeed, which of you will be talking Great first idea. it's gonna be please be either Jim Always. congratulations Jim will be talking first and as ever if you are unfamiliar with the rules, Jim will have up to 59 seconds to talk about the topic that comes out on my wheel without hesitation, repetition or deviation from the topic or the truth. And I'm spinning the wheel now. There are six things that it could choose from. Oh, 
It's maybe not the easiest. Uh, You're right. But, Jim, on my count, you have 59 seconds to talk about Nick Pope. So, in three, two, one, go. Nick Pope is a professional goalkeeper who signed for Newcastle United in the summer. He's been having a pretty good start to the season for them as their new keeper, moving to them from Burnley. He let in three against City in their most recent game, but despite that, had a really good performance and is definitely the reason that they didn't concede more, having a number of great saves, tipping one onto the bar and going in and closing down Haaland when he came in to... The box, he is 30 years old and one of the keepers in contention for the England gloves. He is considered to be... <laughs> <laughs> what? What? England, England gloves! gloves. <laughs> I don't know if I should change over. It was sort of an enforced hesitation by our laughter. I might just was, count you back in and you can enforced. go again. No, that was enforced. Okay, Uh, when you start up again, I'll press play. He is considered to be someone that is pushing Pickford for the spot which he currently holds, along with Aaron Ramsdale, and it could be a quite tight competition between the three of them, with all of them playing regular Premier League football. But I fancy Nick Pope's chances. He's at an age where he should have the experience at the top level to do well for England in a major competition. And that is just 59 seconds. Very impressive. I mean, I would have had no chance... Talk about him at all. I thought he was like 25, like a few years ago. I checked. He was 25 a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, sorry. Ago. I went to check. I mean, I was checking last year. Oh, that's what I mean. Um, but I he, see. he just looks really young, doesn't he? Yeah. The, the thing I didn't mention, and the reason I'm assuming he's in the news, was yeah. the uh, the Newcastle fans hijacking that poll. Yeah, the Burger King poll. We've done a yeah. post about it on our Instagram, and if you need reminding, that's four four brew with two W's at the end. <laughs> Um, uh, the, so Burger King posted a poll and it was like gherkins or tomatoes and then Toon Polls like a Newcastle fan account oh, yeah, I saw that, tweeted yeah. in response Nick Pope and and then just for some reason it went off and every company and then Nant was tweeting Nick Pope on its own just, yeah. just Nick Pope even Brentford tweeted Nick Pope I can quickly run through the rest of the wheel yeah, go on. We've got La Liga, which was a very vague one. They're on there because ITV have signed a deal for the next three years to show ten La Liga games live every season. Ooh, and each that's of them exciting. this oh, season, wow. each of them this season will feature uh, one of uh, it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Atletico Madrid, and the first ones at some point in September. So I thought nice. that was interesting and and worth yeah, that sharing. Is, that's a, that is a good deal. Uh, Renato Sanchez. Former boy wonder, I think Copper Trophy winner uh, when he was at Benfica and has been to Bayern Munich since and alone to Swansea, famously. Uh, he's signed for PSG this summer and scored on his debut, so I put him on. Delap, Liam Delap, has gone to Stoke on loan from Man City. Obviously, that's the yeah. former hunting ground of his dad, Rory, the long throw merchant. So I mm. thought that was newsworthy. Gabriel Bonlahor got himself in some hot water after criticising Man United after they lost to Brentford and Jurgen Klopp sort of oh, went for him in his press conference. Yes, yeah, I remember and that. And then called him out because did Villa lose 6-0 to Liverpool when Bonlahor was still there and Klopp was managing no, it, Liverpool? Yeah. 
So yeah, and Klopp, yeah, Klopp roasted him. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was like, oh, do, do you call that big game mentality? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And it, I mean, he completely deserved it. Oh yeah, I agree. As well. Yeah. Final thing on the wheel. Uh, Ellen White and Jill Scott have both announced their retirement from football on the back of winning the Euros this summer with England. I yeah, that one too, yeah. sad times, but not necessarily unexpected. Yeah, both both retiring, having just ended their contract at Man City, though I'm sure they they would have had offers to go elsewhere. Yeah, but I also I also think it's very admirable for them to have. It's, it's a, a good, it's good hideout. Yeah, London, yeah. Isn't it? I know. I know. In her statement, Ellen White said about you know ending things on on her terms, and I think you know having won a competition like that is certainly the sort of because that's that's now what she's going to be remembered for. It's going to be that rather than like a shoddy season at City or something. Yeah. On to shit talk, Jim. Do you want yes. to introduce this? Our shit talk topic for this week, inspired by the. Um, blog post, which I am in the middle of writing at the moment, is going to be uh, a little bit of uh, kit ranking for the Premier League home kits for this year. Basically, I've ranked them, I'm going to read them out, and then Ivor and Matt are going to disagree, presumably, with my opinions. Um, you, If you're listening to this, you may want to get yourself a phone to Google image search if you're not that familiar with the kits. Um, well, or this are may you well going to have the on images TikTok. on the on the blog? Um, the images aren't going to be on the blog, yeah. So you can just go to medium.com forward slash at four dot four dot brew, and each of four four of brew starts with a capital letter. I remember saying that many times. There we go. The so you'll be able to find them all on there. So, uh, do you want do you want from first to last or last to first? Last to first, please. Last to first. Last to first, surely. Lovely, right. 20th on my list is Leeds. I'm not a fan of white kits, basically. The plain white ones are all pretty much near the bottom I think it looks list. quite nice. I... It's, it's a nice kit, but it's just, Sleep. I guess it's a bit boring, isn't sure. it? I it's, feel like yeah, I could have thought I've, of a worse one. I think they're all a bit dull. I'm not a fan of their shirt sponsor either. I, take, I do take shirt sponsor into account. Okay, fair. Uh, that's kids. understandable. Uh, second to last, Tottenham. Same reason it's a plain white shirt. Okay. I put I put them above Leeds mainly because I like it more than their shirt last year because <laughs> last year's was literally plain white. Whereas this year they've got a little bit of like trim on it. They've got the yeah. cuff and the collar in blue and yellow. But I think they've done more adventurous stuff with their blue and yellow in the past. Okay. Um. So that that's sort of beat Leeds for like a most improved sort of thing. Um. What's that? Twentieth, nineteenth, eighteenth. Uh. Wolves. The next one I've got is Southampton. Wouldn't have been that. What? I don't like Southampton's no. kit this year, but they I don't I quite like it. Couple of things. Firstly, they do also have a, a betting company as their sponsor. Oh, okay. I'm not a, I'm not a massive fan of the badge being in the centre of the kit either. I, I, really I think like it suits it. the honest. kit given that it is I think the it, central. I strike. think it does suit theirs, but I also think it just looks too much like an Ajax knockoff. Well, it, it, I guess it does. It's meant to be inspired by some of their kits of the '80s, but they've like color reversed it. So yes. the original ones, it was obviously red on the outside, white down the middle. Yeah. And I think, I think they should have stuck with that because I think that looks too much Ooh. like a sort of Aldi Ajax. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I like the detailing on the sides, and I think the sponsor, even though it is a betting sponsor, like the Man U one, at least looks good in the kit. 
I disagree with that actually because I thought that there's like like a circle at the start of sports bet which sort of ruins the line of the stripe down the middle okay well who do you have next next I have Fulham Again. I'm actually amazed this one team yeah, hasn't come up yet. <laughs> again, it's a it's a plain plain white kit again. The reason it's above the other ones is mainly sort of the pattern around their um, cuff and collar is sort of like red and black wavy. It's meant to like represent the Thames. Next up is Man City. I really I'm like actually Man genuinely City's kit this year. <laughs> <laughs> the I, Man City kit is so nice. I really don't. I don't like the red on the Man City kit. Again, it's got the badge in the centre, which I don't like. Is it not? Yes. The red on the city kit comes from like the trim of their socks from like the sixties or seventies or something. Okay. Yeah, and it looks really good. I don't, I don't like it. I don't think there should be red on the. Man My city question kit. about the Man City kit is: so it's obviously like a red collar. Yeah. It, is it? But the it doesn't same go all the way around. All the way, I feel like it's wide. I don't think. Like I don't think it goes it all the way around to the back. I, the I think it's. it's I think it stops like here. Why? It doesn't go all the way around no. the back. It's like a just on the front. I swear. Why couldn't they? It does change in width. You're right. The whole way around. That's what yeah. I don't get. I mean, admittedly, I would. I guess if you could give minus points for away and third kits. No. The, the away and third kits are truly I love horrible. their away kit. The red What's and black the, the, diagonal the, stripes. Oh, what the the ripped off like directly from Milan. No, I really like it. No. Um, right. Next, next. West Ham. Jesus Christ. Oh my god, this is blowing me away! <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I'm gonna roll this. How the fuck? How have Brentford not come no, up yet? I was gonna say Everton. What? Everton. E- oh, Ever- Everton's kit is a bit Everton, rough. Brentford Ever- Everton. Everton are, Everton are soon, but I've got. Okay, well, him. I'll wait to, to make the right. case against Everton. But... It's it's basically it's basically the sleeves of the West Ham one I don't like because they like Villa they've got a pretty like Weird. classic colour combination it's a colour combination I like and they've yep. not got enough blue on it for me so don't like it. Yeah okay, I, I, can, I like I that. that. Also Next... the shoulder a bit weird. What number Next are we on now by the way? Uh, it's 10 right. Because like, I feel 18, like 18, we're 16, at the 15, point 15, where you should 13. be saying nice things about kits soon. Number 13 Brentford. Okay. Thank you. Worst kit in the league. Why? I hate it. It's the it. same kit as last year, is it not? A couple of things. It is not the same kit as last year because last year they didn't have striped sleeves. They've got striped sleeves oh. this year, but I, the real, I also yeah. didn't like the kit last year anyway. And the thing that I imagine we all really don't like about it is Hollywood bets. Yeah, it's a bit. Of a... I I hate I hate the Hollywood it's a, bets. Sponsor. It's a really it looks... ugly sponsor. Yeah. Besides the fact that it's it a bank company, awful. just visually, it's an ugly sponsor. Their their sleeve side sleeve sponsor sorry is also terrible. Yeah, it's yellow or something. But I mean, the thing is though that away in the third kits are really nice, and it's just I've, they've not changed it enough. Basically, I think the Southampton kit is far nicer. Uh, next up is Everton. That right? Okay, allow me to interject. Everton, last year or the year before, removed a sponsor because they said we don't agree with having a betting company sponsor us. Yeah. Lo and behold, this year, new shirt sponsor, Stake.com betting, betting company. Like, yeah. you, how desperate for money can you be, and how are you going to make it more obvious? Or anti-vampire company. Come, <laughs> 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 couple of things to say about the shirt. I don't understand why they've got like they've got like white underpits. I don't understand that. Okay. It looks like it's just there to cover up sweat patches, and the like the front of the yeah. shirt, the like torso part, isn't plain blue. There's like a tower watermark on it. Oh my god! Like the tower on their badge. 
I've got to mention another thing about stake.com. Yeah, um, go on. Obviously, they are a betting company. They've done this thing called, in line with the League Cup, so it started this week, they're called, like, Cash Drops, I think. And right. basically, it's po- it's posed as this, like, fan interaction or, like, way of them giving back to fans. So their cash drops this week, if you have bet £5,000 or dollars in the last week, they will give yeah, you, as, as I for, do all for being yeah, a loyal fan, they will give you 10 back. Wow! <laughs> You're, that can't be <laughs> real. true. This is real. If you follow, I think it's Joey Durso on Twitter, he writes for The Athletic, shock. He's he's roasted them for this. If you spend five grand, they'll give you ten back. Yeah, no. That let is, me let me get this up. Poor. I want this to be accurate. If you just want to compare oh that with some God. other companies, I believe if you spend a hundred pounds at Argos, you get a ten pound voucher for your next so purchase. At least you used to. I mean, also, loads of betting companies just give you like fifty pounds of free bets for signing up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everton fans, a message from your sponsor. Congratulations on the cup win last night. Have you gambled $5,000 in the last week? If so, here's a free $10. And that's what they're doing to celebrate Everton's progression in the so, League so Cup. Fair, I'm assuming that's, every that's round in dollars. they get through. $5,000 so to $10 is the same ratio as £5,000 to £10. But yeah, because it's like four grand to eight quid. Yeah. It's <laughs> mental. That is That's so funny. Um, That's hilarious. In 11th, I have put Newcastle sort of returned to the more stripes because what was it last year? They only had like three. Yeah, again, I prefer which this. Apparently one. makes the fans unhappy. Uh, yeah, what the I like, I like the color spon- I like the sponsor of the color. No, the color of the sponsor. That's the one. The that blue. like pale blue. Yeah, yeah the blue. Another betting company as well. <laughs> yeah. So well, I yeah. don't, I don't like that, but I just like the colour of the. The thing is, the fact that Newcastle's shirt sponsors a betting company is kind of overshadowed by the fact that they're owned by Saudi Arabia. So yeah, that's that's the, that's yes, the least of their it. It's somehow made to feel not anywhere near as evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Number ten. Uh, Manchester United. Oh come off it! Seriously, that's like I really a top like five for me. But I, I quite like it. I like the big white collar. I like the fact they've got the shield around the badge. My main grievance with this is that the Adidas stripes are black. I would have had them white. In number nine, Liverpool. What at first glance looks like a plain red shirt has got a surprising amount of detail on it, and sort of different yeah, patterns okay. in red on it. And the collar and cuff of the sleeve have got uh, what's it? Y N W A. You'll never walk alone. Oh, okay. In a pattern, going round it. In a in a, number eight, uh, Chelsea's kit. I like the. Oh, seriously. I like the collar. I really like the collar. Again, surely that's the top five kit. Yeah, but you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah, but I said I put my new top five, and I'm definitely it's also not a my new fan. No, true. Um, and I like the fact that it's not as shit as last year's as well. So I really hated last year's Chelsea kit. Last year's a bit boring. Yeah. In at number seven. Although to be fair, I could swap these two around. Chelsea and t- number seven. Number seven being Leicester. Um, okay, I'll like okay. this. Let's get this year, to be fair. Yeah, like again, I, li- I, li- I like the collar. Yeah. I like the big white collar. That seems to be a thing this year. My main grievance with this one is the badge. They've like made it like an off-white sort of beige, like monochrome, rather than having the normal colour on it. 
Oh yeah, it's like and gold. I think, mm. I th- yeah, I think it would. Yeah. Look, I think it would look better with the color, and you can't see on most pictures because it's on the back. But they've got like that sort of like running fox pattern that they used to have like back in the days when Gary Lineker played for them. Oh yeah. Which is on the back, oh, like, yeah. on the neckline, which is look quite a nice touch as well. Uh, in at number six, uh, Aston Villa. Sort of similar to West Ham, it's a colour scheme I really like, so their kits tend to be quite high up in my opinion. Um, but Ooh. unlike West Ham, they haven't fucked it because they've got the sleeve the right colour. I'd argue the chevrons make it look like a training shirt for me. I quite like I also the, think I the West Ham kit's nicer. No. Actually, no, that's a lie. The, the, the shoulders are weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they both they both put to the very easy kick. I like the sh- I like the chevrons on the Aston Villa kit. I think they were. I think they were quite a nice, subtle, embossed touch. Okay. In at number five, uh, Nottingham Forest. No kit sponsor. That's one of. The, that's really why they are so high up. I mean, I think that's quite cool to be honest. Yeah, I agree. It does end up looking like a t-shirt. Yeah, but I like that sort of. I quite like retro looks, and not having a kit sponsor is about as retro as you can get. It is a bit pajamery. I'm torn as to whether to put it really high up or low down because it doesn't like a football kit. It just looks like a nice thing. Because <laughs> it also, like the Liverpool one at first glance, it also looks like a plain red kit, but the sleeves and down the side have got like a... I would describe it as paisley, but it's like a pattern inspired by the ironworks on Trent Bridge. Oh, okay. Um, quite which cool. is quite, yeah, it's it quite a nice touch. I mean, I feel like if you were to buy this kit, though, you'd need a player's name in the back. Yeah. Mm, that's a yeah. good point. That is a good point. Um, in at number four, Brighton and Hove. Albion. This kit I hate. That's the thing. <laughs> I was really unsure about the yellow when they first released it, but it's actually really grown on me, and it's now one of my favourite kits. I think the yellow looks no, really I, good. I like I like the Brighton kit. I really like the Brighton kit. Yeah, I think the yellow was the yellow was grown on me a lot. Have you seen how similar it's, no, it's... it looks to a Crystal Palace kit from a couple of years ago? very controversial well speaking of Crystal Palace they've not come up yet they haven't and they have also just ripped off someone else's kit from like Italy oh really or Turkey or something have they in at number three yeah. Arsenal I like the big white collars it's another one with the big white collar sort yeah. of retro look I'm assuming this kit is held back by the armpits again as you mentioned, yeah, it's got it's kit. got the red, yeah, it's got the red under there, which I'm not quite sure why, but the the stripes have returned to white instead of blue, which they were on the last one, yeah. which is the right color for them. Um, and yeah, as with a lot of the kits, it must be difficult to try and reinvent red shirt, white sleeves every year. Mm-hmm. But again, it's got lots of it's got lots of retro touches, and I like a retro kit. In at number two, Bournemouth. Bournemouth kit, that's a lovely kit. My my top two are both sort of up there. I mean, I like them, but I think they've also done something quite like innovative with the fact that they are striper kits, like Newcastle. No, I, I love the Bournemouth kit because it's got that first. It's got like a double lightning bolt design, yeah, yeah. but like the mm-hmm. back one is faded, so I thought it gave it like a bit of depth. It makes it look quite Ooh, animated. Is it? I know. It makes Bloody it look yeah, quite like United school. You can tell. It makes it look quite like animated as a shirt. The main reason it didn't get top spot for me is the Daffabet logo, Fair. betting company, Fair and the yellow on it. I think ruins the shirt. Fair so uh, there so we go. You put Crystal Palace first. I really like the design of the home kit. Like that sort of scribbled. Yeah, of you do because you work in a school. It looks like a kid drew it. Yeah, brilliant. But I like that. I think it looks really. <laughs> I think it looks really cool, and I really like the home kit. I really don't like the fact that they use the same design for the away kit. And third. The away kit is just white with two stripes. Have they used it for the third as well? I haven't yeah, seen the yeah. third yet. 
I haven't even looked at the third. But, yeah, I but, think... but this, the away kit looks terrible. And also yeah. check the group chat. Yeah, yeah, this is uncanny. I'd not heard of this, but it's I borderline identical. Uh, oh, shit, so yeah. Some Croatian team had had the same kit basically a few years ago, because uh, Macron is uh, both team supplier, and they that... have the same kit. It's just the same. That kit. That is borderline identical. That has bumped them down slightly because I, I one of the reasons I really liked it was because I hadn't really seen a show like that before. But that's just because I well, because I don't follow Croatian football, which is frankly unforgivable. In which case. In which case, swap those two. Fuck it, I'll put Bournemouth top. Love it. Uh, Love it. Palace second. Yeah, I, I reckon I can I can agree with that ranking as long so as everyone knows that it's also not mine. That's so, that's yeah. my ranking. You'll be able to read some slightly more detailed descriptions of what I like and don't like about the kits in the blog post. And I will also, at some point in the near future, before I start work, try and do an away kit and third kit one as well, because I bloody love a football shirt. Mm. But, oh god, and there's some proper stinking third kits yeah. this year too. Like the, the Man U Man, Man City oh, right god, at the bottom. Yeah. Right at the bottom. But yeah, so I believe that is that's us done for this morning, well, this afternoon now. Wow. Gonna go and have some Lovely. lunch. Um, Matt, how was your tea? It was good, but I would say Typhoon, it's, like it's like a 5 out of 10 tea. It's not as good as Yorkshire. I have to say, I'm a PG Tips man myself. Um, Ivor, you had a coffee, I believe? It was a very nice coffee. Very tasty. And the Heineken 0.0 Blue, whatever they call it, non-alcoholic beer, is actually really nice. It's technically a 0.05, but that's low enough that they can call it 0.0. Is that the score you're giving it? No, no, well that's the thing, it tastes exactly like beer. Compared to other non-alcoholic beers I've had, this is by far the best. So like like Ivor did for his Lucky Saint, for a non-alcoholic beer, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Okay. For an, alco- for an alcoholic beer, like a 6 or a 7, because taste-wise it is, it is decent, it's good. But if you're drinking beer because you want the alcohol, obviously it's not the one for you. <laughs> but but for, for uses such as if we're staying at Ivor's until 2 in the morning... And the rest of you are drinking, and I've got to drive home. It's perfect because it tastes exactly like beer. It's not a disappointing drink to have, and I can drive home at the end of the evening. Lovely. So I very highly rate the Heineken Zero Point Zero. If you are looking for a non-alcoholic beer, thank you very much for listening. Yes. We will. Mm-hmm. We'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Love you.